Hello, friends. This is Kirk Henderson with an episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I am joined by my longtime internet friend and fellow SB Nation contract employee, uh, Joe Flynn, who is the managing editor at uh, Posting and Toasting, uh, the New York Knicks uh, website there. Um, It's kind of shocking that I actually haven't had you on before, but I I would chalk that up to primarily being an issue of... uh, covid and a thousand games crammed in together because we we i mean we talk mavs nick's ridiculousness fairly regularly so how are you joe i'm good uh well actually i'm not good because uh we'll we'll, we'll get into why i'm not good <laughs> because uh, we lost our our shining light our shining star frank Nilakina. So let's let's talk about Frank. So you know you reached out to me because you're like I want to talk about this. So so you know walk us through your your kind of you know secret or maybe not so secret kind of uh fan love of Frank Nilakina and then you know I'd I'd love some explainer as far as you know how his career you know progressed or in some cases maybe last year didn't progress and why he's no longer in New York Nick. Yes well uh it's not just me if you talk to, like, I guess there's, it's probably like 70, 30, uh, like 70% of Knicks fans are obsessed and love Frank Nilakina. 30% really dislike him. Um, I don't know why those people are dead to me, but. Um, <laughs> okay. Follow those people. Yeah, they, they're blocked on Twitter. They're, uh, but, uh, so Frank. I mean, I don't know how, how to describe Frank Nilakina, his career. Um, I guess we should talk about his career because his career uh, to date, his professional career is kind of a, a, a disturbing mix of uh, Nick's incompetence uh, pr- of the previous regimes and bad, just bad timing overall. Okay. Uh, and a little, you know, he, he, he does share some blame. You know, um, he, he suffers from what I forget some writer, uh, some prospect writer called it Academy Brain. Uh, you'll find out that he is, you know, he's a Euro, he's a Euro prospect. He was playing with grown men when he was like 15, 16. And he, he doesn't, it's not like an American player where they were the alpha dog for so many years. And he really grew up as a role player. And it's hard for him to kind of get out of that mindset. Interesting. So even if he's talented because he was getting the crap, like, because I can see that. You're 15 years old. You're playing against 25-year-old guys. You get the crap kicked out of you. Some players really, like, like develop and then become that alpha. Others just kind of find a way to make it through. Yeah, I would say it's, it's something like that. I mean, he can, especially on offense, he will disappear. On defense, it's different, but uh, we'll get into that. But. His career is just uh, just a just an endless tragedy. I mean, it started from the very beginning. The Knicks drafted him. Phil Jackson drafted him, and then Phil Jackson was fired like two days later. So um, he's already on a bad foot because he's with a new front office that may or may not have any interest in him. Steve Mills and Scott Perry took over, and it was it was you know all the New York writers said it seemed like from the beginning they were not fans. So. Um, he was a previous regime guy. They were not fans. And they, for the next three or four years, they put just an endless parade 
of vet, uh, end-of-the-bench kind of guys ahead of him, starting with Jarrett Jack, who was like 45 or something by the time he was in New York. And the first, uh, the first season was interesting because he played with Chris Depps. Um, you know, as a Knicks fan, I'm not a fan of Chris Depps anymore, but uh, it was interesting. One thing, there was rumors that KP wanted Frank to be his guy, like the starting guy. Interesting. Yeah. They played really well together. If I remember correctly, their two-man unit was like the best two-man pairing on the Knicks. They almost never played together. Though. <laughs> it was, okay, okay. Because that makes sense. By Jeff mm-hmm. who was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to play Jared Jack constantly. And uh, Frank, you, you, you work on the second unit. So, But when Chris Stapps and Frank, before Chris Stapps' big injury, when they played together, they were very successful. It's really interesting. That's, and, and I'm sure I'm, we all know Porzingis loves, loves people who pass to him. Um, that's, that's yeah. easily his, 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 probably his, well, but we'll talk about Porzingis in a little bit. So understanding that, you know, what do you, so he, he, he played three years where he looks like he averaged kind of the same number of minutes in games. I'm sure each year the role was a little bit different, but then last year he, his minutes and involvement just absolutely fell off a cliff. So so two questions, you know, one, why did he fall off a cliff last year? I know the answer, but I would love to hear your explanation. And then two, why did the Knicks never move him? Like letting him go like this just feels like a wasted opportunity. Cause I mean, he, his measurables are off the chart. He, you know, he's got a seven foot one wingspan, which is preposterous for, for, a, for guard. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the reason is the reason he didn't play was, you know, Tibbs. Um, and he did like, there was a time when Derek Rose had COVID and I think maybe Alfred Payton was hurt. I hope he was hurt because he's terrible, but, um, I, uh, not, you know, not hurt, but not playing. He, um, he did get a couple of, he, he got a start or two, but again, he's just not, a, you know, at this point they had, they had moved him around so much. He's, I, I would not start him at point guard, you know, Mavs obviously won't, but he just, he just couldn't find a role. Reggie Bullock was playing very well. Again, uh, that's a Mavs thing. So, um, <laughs> he just and the Knicks were a very deep team last year uh, for wings, and so and just uh, Tibbs. I think Tibbs liked him because of his defense. He had this weird thing. You saw it in the playoffs, where he would like not play Frank the entire game, and then on the final possession, he did it against Trey Young he would insert him as like his defensive closer, mm. which was kind of weird because, uh, you know, if you haven't played for 47 and a half minutes and then you come in, it's like, oh, okay, you're, tra- you're checking Trey Young now. It didn't work out, <clears throat> but uh, in some games it did actually. He did like, he got a key steal against uh, someone, I forget, but uh, it, it's just, it was just kind of a weird thing. Um, why didn't they trade him? I have no idea. I guess they thought he could be useful if, if enough people got hurt. So um, I don't know how much they could have gotten for him. But why didn't they move him before that? Uh, again, it, it's just a, before Leon Rose took over last uh, two years ago, it was a weird vibe for the Knicks. So. Sure. Why, no, that he, makes sense. That makes sense. So it's it's kind of – 
So I don't really know how to feel about the signing. And I, I, I'm looking forward to you telling me how I should feel about the signing because he, he's a guaranteed deal, um, I'm pretty sure. And then he has an option for a second year. I'm pretty sure it's like at a vet men. But that, it puts the Mavericks over the, the – they have 16 contracts. They're going to have to move somebody, which means they're confident enough in him to, to, to really give him that guarantee. I thought it might be like um, – you know, kind of a essentially a training camp deal, but there, there's something there that was long rumored back in 2017. Like that was the guy, that was the only guy that we heard about. And then the Knicks took him at eight, so the Mavericks had to take Dennis Smith at nine. Um, I'm I'm curious as to where where he goes or where he fits because the Mavericks have a pretty, I don't know, I, I they frustrate me with their top eight. Um, and, and I don't really know where Frank fits into any of this. Um, and I would, I would love to hear what, what you think, just, you know, since you, you're familiar with, with the Mavericks at this point, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty, well, I'm, I'm familiar with like half the Mavericks. <laughs> it's an interesting because uh, they don't have, they have a lot of guys, but they don't have, they don't have a lot of guys like Frank. They have a lot of, well, I guess Reggie Bullock comes closest. But um, mm-hmm. um, they have a lot of scores. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway. Obviously, he's a scorer. He's not going to. He's not going to give you much on defense. Um, Trey is Trey Burke still on the Mavs? He is still on the Mavericks. They signed him to an okay. inexplicable three-year deal after the bubble run, where he has a fifteen percent trade kicker. Amazing. He was one of the guys who they specifically brought in from the G League to play over Frank. Uh, who was their first-round pick from, like, two years earlier. It was amazing stuff. So, yeah, Trey Burke, obviously, I mean, his profile is a scorer. He's not going to do anything else, basically. Um, so, I mean, what Frank gives you is I'm, I, he's a great teammate. He's a great – if he does nothing, he's a great guy who really – he just, uh, you know, took all the crap that, that the Knicks gave him over the years, and he was always incredibly professional about it. I mean, Dennis Smith had a little bit of a problem with that. And, uh, you know, because New, uh, New York incompetence can break a, can break a, a person. Right. Can break a, especially a young person. So uh, nothing that the Mavs can throw at him will uh, phase him compared to what he's already been through. Um, he gives just his defense and just the the hustle that he gives you on defense is just tremendous. He can he can he can defend four positions. Um, that's why what Tibbs liked about him. And obviously, you know they don't need him to be a point guard. And the Knicks forever. I don't know what their plans were, but they they kind of vacillated. They kind of moved between oh he should be a point guard and he shouldn't. Well, they don't, you know, the Mavs don't need that really. So, I mean, just let him, you know, get him on the court. He can hit an open three. His shooting, uh, his shooting is good. He just, he can't really give you anything, any inside scoring. He will pass. He's a pretty good passer. His handle is actually surprisingly good. Uh, you know, he gives you something that Bullock cannot give you, which is the ability to dribble more than two times. The, the the sheer we'll get to that in a second but reggie bullock's uh assisted basket he's at like 93 percent of his baskets were assisted which is hysterical yes yeah. yeah. um yeah we, like we're uh, nick fans have been arguing all day like there you know some new york article said 
oh, you know, how, how much are they going to miss uh, Reggie Bullock scoring? He's like, not much. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he can hit an open shot. So can Frank. But Frank can, you know, pass. Frank can hit an open three. He can dribble. Uh, he's not going to get to the rim at all. But I, you know, I would love to see him just get a couple of minutes with Luca. Luca running the show and just Frank gets the, uh, the defensive assignments that Luca doesn't, you know, he's not going to do. So he doesn't, that's not his thing. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how and if Kid uses him because Kid, Jason Kidd has a, a a he likes defensive players first, but the Mavericks don't have any. <laughs> I mean, it, there's yeah. there's like an argument for most of the team having like maybe a secondary defender role, but the closest thing they had prior to Frank signing as like a quote defensive stopper is Reggie Bullock and I think he'll be okay in that role every now and again, but not Re, like I think that the Knicks scheme last year really made him look better than he is because you know Nerlens Noel is a heck of a defender and really just how how Thibodeau coaches is 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 just coaches up defensively inclined players. So I'm I'm gonna be I mean I just don't know how how if the Mavericks will use him at all. So it's just so odd because I really I was expecting the Mavericks to be done and this sort of kind of came out of nowhere for me. Bullock again, we're we're yeah Knicks fans are. Tibbs made him some money uh, last year. And Reggie Bullock's a great guy, a great player uh, in his role. But, yeah, he's not, he's not a shutdown guy. Frank, when Frank is on, Frank has the tools. Frank has the attitude to be a shutdown guy, uh, a guy you put on your best, your be- the other team's best score, uh, regardless of position almost. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, there's upside there. I really, I honestly believe it beyond all the Frank love and the, you know, at at this point it's almost performative. You're just like, I've been loving Frank so long. So (laughs) I just have to, I just have to keep saying it, but there is upside there. Um, And uh, it's something, yeah, it's something different for the Mavs. The Knicks needed, uh, you know, the Knicks needed pull-up shooting. They needed guys who could score um, on their own, you know, in isolation. So that's not Frank. So they let him go. Okay. Yeah, well, that's don't need that so much. So no, no. But having another player, if you if you're confident in his handle, that actually helps me with this a little bit because the Mavericks really don't have anybody that can dribble outside of a straight line. Like Tim Hardaway can go yeah. to the basket. Trey Burke can go to the basket. Jalen Brunson can go to the basket. Everyone else, it's like if there's any sort of like side to side dribble motion going on, like my favorite thing Porzingis does is like use a useless crossover dribble to not go anywhere. Um, it's, it's just like, if you like his handle even a little bit, just even a little bit, he doesn't need to like go places. He just needs to not, you know, not fall over as he's dribbling kind of thing. Oh, if you, yeah, if you're looking for side to side players, that's, that's actually Frank's problem. He's a little bit too much side to side. And okay. Not, you know, basket. Doesn't he, attack enough. He will surprise okay. you. He will surprise you with his handle. Okay. Um, it, it's gotten much better over the years. He's worked on it a lot. He's worked on his shot. Um, he just needs to, you know, Luca needs to inject some of that Luca attitude into him. Sure. They're both Euros, but, you know, Luca obviously um, just, he needs that attitude. Well, there's a really, I don't know if you saw this because you probably, I don't know if you're watching like the French national team, in the Olympics, but like after they beat Slovenia, there's a really good photo in, in one of the, the, um, 
it's it's either I can't remember which which whatever photographic service that it is, but it's like uh he goes over to Lucas, Lucas like sitting with his head on the bench and like puts his like Frank does and puts his arm around him and is talking to him for a minute. And I just it's a it's like one of those great sports photos. And yeah, I, it, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um if Luca can yeah, like take him under his wing a little bit. I mean they're basically the same age. Sure, but um, it's you know, talent. Yeah, there's the talent, but uh he just yeah, he just needs someone to believe in him. Uh I think and apparently the Mavs do believe in him, so you know, you know, go for it. If uh, you know, he and if it doesn't happen, he'll be on the bench, he'll be a good guy. So he's not going to, you know, he's not going to ruin chemistry. He's a good chemistry guy. So, you know, I, 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 I'm excited for him. Uh, I was, you know, we were talking about this today. Since it's not uh, 2023, that's when the Knicks have the Mavs next pick. So this year, uh, I don't have a problem rooting for the Mavs. Sure, sure, <laughs> they, right. Still, still not a fan. That's but uh, yeah, they have like a, a ton of Knicks on there and, you know, if they want to, if they want to win the whole, if they want to win the whole thing, go, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So uh, the Mavericks, <laughs> right. It's the 23. You, you, we can, we can be enemies again. That makes sense. Yeah. We'll um, be enemies again. So. so this is pretty hilarious. Literally a fit, a third of the Mavericks roster were Knicks. Now I'm, I, I think at least four of these guys played on the team at the same time, but I want you to let me know. So they have Kristaps Porzingis, Trey Burke, Fred, now they have Frank Nokina. Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock. Was Reggie kind of the one who wasn't on the team? I can't remember where he played before. Yeah, yeah Reggie, uh, obviously Reggie played with Frank. Reggie was not with the other ones. They, okay. I think, yeah, I think he was, I think they acquired him two years ago. So mm-hmm. he was not on the, yeah. But other okay. than that, he played with all of them, so. Well, and, and we kind of touched on, on Bullock before, and so, you know, one of the things I like at least about reading about him, and then I remember, you know, watching him is is his kind of willingness to shoot. Um, that's been a real problem for the Mavericks outside of Tim Hardaway, who, as we all know, has no conscience, therefore doesn't worry <laughs> about the willingness. But like one of the things Luka Doncic does very, very well is get guys like the shots that they take that they that they have opportunities for are usually fairly open just because of how he plays. But what the Mavericks ran into last year with Richardson, uh, Josh Richardson, was kind of an inability to get the shot off just because of motion. And and it looks like, at least from the data and from some of the film I've seen, that you know Reggie's a really good corner shooter and just has no problem pulling the trigger. So so outside of kind of you know you think maybe being a a bit of an overrated defensive player because of Thibs, like what what else do you think about him as a player? I love, uh, you know, it, not only is he a willing shooter, he is willing to take the big shot. I, I know that okay. had a problem in the Mavs, but he hits some big shots for the Knicks. Fourth quarter player, he's a guy who can, you know, hit a couple in a row in the fourth if he's open. Um, tremendous. Just, uh, yeah, I love, I don't want to like, yeah, crap on Reggie Bullock or anything like that. Sure. Uh, I, I think he's just a great winning player. And you're lucky to have them, uh, especially if you're you're looking for someone who will take that shot. That's really that's good to know because 
If you watch the Mavericks in any sort of high stakes game last year, the only players willing to shoot the ball were Luca and and Hardaway. And it's funny because for all of, of Porzingis's bluster, that dude did not want the ball in crunch time. I mean, he acted like he did. He would talk a big story, but he he didn't. You know, it's it's and it's yeah, uh, you know, it's, I don't blame him. Well, you know, he had. I, I don't remember him ever hitting really big shots in New York either. So then again, he was not in the position to. You know, the Knicks were usually losing by 20 mm-hmm. uh, during those days. Not all his fault, of course. Not really much of his fault. They just suck. Right. So, uh, but yeah, last year the Knicks were in a ton of close games, and Bullock is a guy who, you know, if he's open, he'll fire, and you can trust him. So, yeah, if the, if the Mavs are looking for that, he will give them that. Well, this is He will give great. them some defense, too. Uh, you know, he will – and, again, another great locker room guy. So uh, if, uh, if, if that's all you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for no dribbling and just shooting, mm-hmm. uh, that's perfect. And, you know, Luca can, Luca can play with guys like that. So that's what's important. Well, this has been exactly what I had hoped for. I'm glad you had the time to talk to me because it's, it's funny. My, my co-editor and I, Josh, are kind of rolling our eyes at the Frank Nilakina thing, whereas a lot of our fans just, you know, and, you know, you don't want to kick anybody for this, but our fans are like, they're excited about something different. Um, and not only that, something different with that has had kind of a long time tie that wasn't anything other than, you know, dra- like pre-draft mumbo jumbo. So it's it's kind of fun to see them get somebody like it, it does add to the the ongoing mystique of the Mavericks getting a player for like three years too late, like the way they did with DeAndre Jordan and that sort of stuff. But I don't know. So you made me feel a little bit better about that. DeAndre Jordan hate. Uh <laughs> He was on the Knicks Man. for like three weeks. I couldn't stand him. So, well, he's just one of the worst. Like he's one. He's so physically gifted, and he gives no shits. Like I cannot wait for Lakers fans to get furious with him. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, he's on the Lakers with Dwight Howard. Oh man, yeah. I mean, Dwight Howard. He, 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 you know, he's a weirdo, but he. He kind of figured out that he's a role player now. I don't think DeAndre Jordan ever, or he just he just doesn't get basketball. Like it's it's just accumulating stats for him, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, so you know it's just really annoying. Yeah, but yeah. They, and yeah. like Dwight Howard is an effective goon. Like he, it, as opposed to DeAndre Jordan, and and people don't understand this particularly if you haven't been to a game in person in a while. But DeAndre Jordan is huge. He is he's huge. He's big and strong. He's not just athletic and lean. Like you saw Tyson Chandler, obviously. Like Tyson Chandler was a yeah. rail. Like Jordan is yeah. a big man. And, and it's just, and he just doesn't use it other than to accumulate stats. It's a great way to put it. Um, but yeah, this is this has been fun. We'll we'll try to talk a little bit more maybe around one of the next games because uh um now that you know Mavs fans have like fully, you know. I don't want to say turned on Porzingis. A lot of us are kind of of just sort of accepting of the player that I don't know. There's a guy like with the handle of Nick's wall or something. Like he's exactly the player the guy told me he was, and it took me about a year to realize that. I was probably the first Maverick fan to really go hard at KP. Yeah, but you were, I, I can see you were getting some you were getting some of the business from your fellow fans about uh, turning on him too early. But uh, well, it's you it's know, just. It's tough because we we all you know you don't want to kit you don't want to be you know a complete party pooper but the data for big men who get hurt is just you know it's like the the Joel Embiid contract after he had had foot problems for years was so protecting of the Sixers 
and it's ended up working out in Joel's fever. But they had to do something like that. The Mavericks yeah. traded for Porzingis, had no reason to give him all the stuff that they did other than goodwill, which fuck goodwill. It's a business. And and still he's like they gave him five years guaranteed with a player option at the end with nothing to protect them. And his injury history is one, you know, Jared Dubin was the one who pointed to me to the sheer volume before he came to the Knicks where or before he came to the Mavs from Knicks. I mean, I think he had 13 injuries with New York where he missed time uh, in his yeah. lower body. Like that's crazy. Uh, I don't know. The hope now but is that Frank, he can. I, well, I, and one more thing about Frank. I, I should, he has some growing issues. So, uh, uh, it. Okay. So it, 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 it's a lingering, it not lingering, but like well, soft tissue stuff that. recurs, like it just does anything yeah. in the midsection and in the lower legs when you're playing basketball, it does because you got to help recover, move laterally, that sort of stuff. It's very, it's it's very tough. But I mean, the the I, this is the last year Porzingis really has to be able to say, okay, he's gonna he's either gonna be better or he's not. Um, there's there's no more there's no more excuses. Like he's t- he, 26 for a seven foot. Uh, three guy is old by NBA standards. It's it's you just don't like Dirk Nowitzki skewed things for Mavs fans because he was a seven footer, but he was also you know his mobility flew out the window, but he was still able to survive on skill. And frankly, Porzingis's skill is is insanely overrated because of his like uh, because of probably like a twenty to thirty game stretch in his rookie year when he really did look amazing. But it's just once yeah. he was injured, he never looked like that again. And also the unicorn nickname. That has, sure, uh, sure. Well, Joe, Nick, this has like, been great. The their coverage, their crazy fan base. So, oh yeah, that'll happen. Oh yeah. No. Well, let's do this again soon. Thank you for so much for taking time out of your Friday. Um, you can follow Joe on Twitter if you want to at China Joe Flynn. I'll post it in the pod, and and uh, you can find all of the fine people at posting and toastings work on their website. They, they're a fun Knicks community. The Knicks fans are, are when they're not yelling at me about Porzingis based stuff, they're just a delight to deal with. So um, thanks so much for basically one of us. I I am an, I'm a Knicks fan by proxy just due to hating Porzingis sometimes. Yes. Outstanding. If you you love Frank also, that will become even. Okay. That's good to know. All right, man, you have yourself a good day. Then, everybody, this has been uh, Kirk Series Face, um, editor at Mavs Moneyball. Right after this, I'm going to be posting a locker room that I recorded just kind of in the middle of my Friday during my lunch hour where we talk, uh, you know, some more Frank stuff. Um, Somebody got me off on a rant about the players uh, and vaccines, which is at the very end. So I'm sure you'll love that if you're you're a person who doesn't care for vaccines. Sorry, guys. I don't care. Um, Again, rate and review our podcast. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Joe, we'll talk with you soon. You have a good day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Mavs, one of the final ones of the offseason before we get ready to get back into the mix. As you guys know, it is Friday, September 17th. It's lunchtime here in the Metroplex area. I'm sorry I've not been doing many of these. Um, life happens. I also don't really want to to do the, you know, I don't know if any of you saw this, um, but there was a, a Philly podcaster who had like a segment about September 11th that went viral. And that's just an inclination of when you don't have anything to say, perhaps you shouldn't say anything at all. It is a, uh, you know, I don't want to get in trouble by mouthing off too much about the Mavericks. I need to save my, my heat for the season, but considering that training camp is in like 11 days, um, 
we should uh, we should stick with uh, what we're doing here and you know get back on board. We will have you know our, our normal group therapies after games. Uh, I will be trying to get back onto a regular Friday format. It just depends on what's going on with work. But we're here now. Um, we're going to talk Mavs stuff. Um, so you know, come on. Um, be sure to invite yourself up on stage. I'll bring people up. We'll talk about whatever you want. Um, I was mainly joking about the headline uh, because I don't really, you know, I don't really want to talk about Frank Nilakina, but we can. So coming up first, uh, we have Grayson. Grayson, what's up? Well, hey, Kirk. Uh, I didn't know you didn't want to talk about Frank. Oh, we can. I just, you know, it's it's what what did our our, our guy Ben from um, Mavs uh, Mavs Moneyball was talking about something earlier in our Slack, and he said something along the lines of like from like 2005 to 2011, I didn't have to worry about any of the Matt like end of bench guys because our team was awesome, and we're really to that point now where we shouldn't care that much about like the last four people, but. I mean, you know, the content machine goes. So let's talk about the guy that we all thought we were going to get in 20, uh, 20, was it 18? Yeah, that's right. 2017. Yeah. Well, I mean, surely he's better than Trey Burke at the very least. I mean, what does better mean? Like, he, he has a he has a massive wingspan. 7-1 for like a 6-7 guy. Like that's a plus, that's plus six inches. Uh, of course, you know, because your, your wingspan is basically about your height for most normal people, but then NBA players and like superhumans, like uh, the, the tight end for the um, Atlanta Falcons has like a seven, two wingspan. He's just an insane athlete. Um, And it's, it's one of those, it's, it's just one of those things where I don't really know what better means because Burke is not good. Uh, That, that is, is a fact, but he does have a specific NBA skill, which is he can drive right and shoot right. And, and, basically gun up the ball. I don't know what Frank's NBA skill is. You know what? You're absolutely right. Better is completely subjective. I'll say that I think that he has a more valuable skill set for what the Mavs need. Okay. I think shooting is valuable, but the type of shooting that Trey Burke brings isn't as valuable as the type of shooting that Seth Curry brought. Um. And honestly, Trey didn't do a lot of scoring last year anyway. No, he was real bad. He was real bad. Like we need to, they need to find like a hypnotist or something and could put him, uh, basically convince him he's in Orlando for every game. Because if you check his game log specifically for playing in Orlando, so not just bubble, he goes nuts every time he's in Orlando. It's like, does he really like Disney World? What's going on? Well, maybe we should just flip them over there for one of their 80 guards that they have. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, what else, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, not much. I mean, honestly, we've reached that point of the offseason where I'm not paying much attention to the Mavericks because nothing interesting is happening. This is actually the first bit of Mavs news that we've gotten in what feels to me like a while. I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, at Mavs Moneyball, what were we doing? Like... We got some great comments because we're writing these like what if articles and you know some of my favorite ones were like this is really stupid. I guess 2K came out and like Luca looks awesome on the cover. Like that's pretty fun. Um past that, you know, it's it's mainly kind of this this slow rev up to the the um to the regular season because they play four like they they play basketball. I want to say their first game might be like a month from today, like regular season game. And so, you know, the, these weeks can can really fly by. 
So it's it's we're going to start getting a lot of news. Um, I'll probably start hosting these more regularly because um, if you come to Mavs Moneyball, I've been uh, slowly banking content for our um, for our preseason coverage where we are going to be rolling out like between three and four articles a day. Um, plus whatever news happens. So there's, I, I'm going to be doing these just because I want to revisit a little bit of the things that we're writing. Um, did you happen to read his talks piece this week? I haven't gotten around to I it. I really, but. really recommend it. It's about 2000 words. It'll eat up a huge chunk, chunk of your day, which is fun. And he, he, you know, I guess I didn't. And I told him this, he was on my show yesterday, which is up uh, in the feed. You guys should go listen to it. I told him, I guess I didn't understand how how shitty Luca was in fourth quarters. <laughs> like he was real bad compared to how he normally plays. Oh yeah, Men's was just absolutely exhausted. It's impossible to blame. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm- let's see here. What else do we got? Well, if you uh, if you don't have much, I'm probably going to shuffle on to some other folks. But if you if anything comes to mind that you want to talk about, invite yourself back up and come on stage. Definitely appreciate yep. it. Good talking, buddy. All right. Coming up next, we have Sean. Hey, Sean. Long time. How you doing? All right. How about yourself? Uh, you know, it's it's not bad. It's a Friday. I, I need to – part of why I want to get back in the habit of doing these is, like, after we do them, I'm a little more – it's like it's – it's. Uh, I, I make it through the rest of the day with a little more energy as opposed to, like, a post, uh, you know, a big Friday lunch and then I want to take a nap and not do anything, so – I totally know how you get, you know, it gives me a little bit more energy, you know, talking about something I really like, but, um, so my question is, uh, you know, besides basketball reference and the, uh, NBA stats database, are there any other databases that fans have access to or, you know, can get access to that you would recommend? Oh God, that's a good question. Um, is Xavier still in here? Xavier, because you probably like he digs into a lot of numbers and stuff too. Um, there's a cheap one. Let's see here. There's B Ball Index, I think, is what it is. And I don't love how they how they do stuff there, but it's like five dollars. Uh, they have they have some tools which they advertise that are not free, but they're very cheap. Um, it's at the B Ball Index. Uh, I think is is the the name of the account here, um, run by a guy at Tim underscore NBA, and they do like a lot of of they do a lot of of basically recombining stat stuff into more visually accessible ways. Um, I really like uh, does popcornmachine.net still work? Um, there used to be one that Rob Mahoney and I used way back in the day. Um, that was called that was called popcornmachine.net uh that like it what it did was it tracked game flow scoring um and yeah, that's not yeah it's not it's not out anymore damn oh no it it no it does still exist and it's like it's yeah it's popcornmachine.net and it was i loved this one because it tracked game flow like how things were going during a game it was very specific um and that was pretty fun but for individual player stuff you know, I, I really recommend um, really that that's send me that question on Twitter and I will I'll retweet it to, to kind of the masses because there's the publicly available stuff is is slowly migrating behind paywalls. And as kind of the arguments that I will have with people in like the Mavs Moneyball comments, stats are something very difficult for me to discuss personally, because I don't want to misconstrue data. 
Um, and that's just so easy to do. It's, it drives me, it drives me crazy because you, and then I love being told by people that I don't know, like, like I'm a database manager for a living. So it's like, I'm in data all the time. My, my favorite thing is when people tell me, I like, don't know what I'm looking at. And sometimes they're right because it's like understanding all these advanced math stuff or advanced stat stuff can be really kind of overwhelming. Yeah, totally. You know, when I look at a, I'm on NBA stats because they have, you know, they do a lot. But of it's just things. the worst site. It's the worst site. I don't understand how those, ugh. It, well, like good data, but hard to navigate. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. They don't really tell you how things are calculated. And you really have to look at everything to understand like, oh, you know, when they're talking about like number of passes, like, oh, this is per game. It's not just, you know, a random number that they, you're calculating. And they don't always track every game, which you're the NBA.com. I don't know mm-hmm. if, like how you don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I that actually might you know I, I like that as an idea. I'm gonna write that down. That's that's uh, you know something that one of our our guide. It's funny. Is talk gets frustrated by the the data that's like publicly available and has been le- like teaching himself to code in some instances and making his own databases, which is is just great. It's really really great stuff. Well, what else you got? I mean, that's really it. I don't really care about the Neil Akina signing. You know, if he if he's yeah. in the roster or in the rotation, he's either playing really well or the Mavs are kind of you know, in trouble. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll my opinion is is that it's a it's a great dart throw and I can't I, Mark Stein's post, and I subscribe to his Substack. Everybody should. It's fifty dollars a year. It's good stuff from Mark. I can't tell if it's just a training camp invite or if they're moving off someone. Yeah, Have you been able I to decipher that? They, no, I, I, I. When they opened up a camp ro- uh, roster spot, I thought maybe it might be a, a bigger move or it was going to be one of the guys they had in for a workout a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't really expect Neil Akina to be the guy because he's just kind of yep. He doesn't. He's a worse version, in my opinion, of Josh Green, but Josh Green is younger and has more potential. So I don't know. In terms of just like tools, like a guy that has physical. Like, did you mean that in like a comparison of just like physical tools, like a bundle of of basketball like attributes that someone could then put together? <laughs> is is that kind of what you mean? Because. Yeah, they're they're very yeah. different guys, but the, uh, in terms of potential, I I see what, like I see what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, just they could be something, but they aren't. And Josh Green has it's more likely that he would turn into something than Frank Nealakina would at this point. It's just weird because like on part of my brain says, okay, last year he played for for Thibodeau, who if you are not in his wheelhouse, he will not play you at all. It's just he he plays short rotations, and that's how you know that's how they overachieve in the regular season is they play eight guys and they play all those guys like forty minutes. So Frank played like something out of the seventy-two game season. He played forty something games, and he averaged less than ten minutes a game. So like all of last year's game tape to me should be tossed out because if he was good, then he would have then he would have played more. But he clearly wasn't that good for them. However, I just can't move on from the fact that he is a sev- like he is a, a tall guard with huge or long arms 
and has a physical profile. Um, he really, you know, he can't shoot, or at least he wasn't able to shoot. And that volume, you know, he might've done okay, I think in terms of like percentages, but he might've, I think he only shot like 43s all year. So there's just not much there to really know. But I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the thing. It, it makes me feel better than any of those three older guys that they were considering, you know, I'm glad that ended up being just a, a sort of fluff piece to probably make nice with agents and, and get people out there. But man, it, it's, it's still, it's, it's kind of, kind of odd none of this if, if the back end of the bench stuff it, it if it matters in, a, in any real way it's either because the Mavericks are unbelievably good and they're playing a lot of guys in garbage time or things have gone sideways where like half the team comes down with typhoid and he has to play you know yeah there, there's just there's just not a lot to say about him you know we don't really we should not care a team that has title aspirations are trying to get contending status should not Frank Nielakina should not matter in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. well thank you for coming on here I appreciate yeah, you thank you for having me up all right before I bring on my next guest I want to go through kind of some of the questions that we have in the comments um let's see here we Aaron notes that that it's second year uh option on the contract so that likely means like an actual roster spots. So at the moment they have 16 guys. You can carry more guys up to a certain point where you have to make cuts just like football. I think they're waiting to get to like this October 1st point. <clears throat> and um Clement asks, you know, did they close off the Dragic spot uh, a potential spot for Goran Dragic with with Frank Nelkina? And I I think the answer is no. Um in order to get to if if there's like a potential Goran trade or a buyout, like they will figure out something. Um, as has been pointed out to me by Tyler Adams, um, the Thunder have to get to the to the salary floor. Um, they're going to be doing some weird stuff at some point, so it's it's who knows uh, what what's going to happen there. Um, Brandon points out that that Trey Burke has wiped his Instagram. Um, he said, "I I don't know if that means anything." Yes, that means something. <laughs> that, that sort of stuff doesn't that sort of stuff doesn't happen. Um, Ethan uh, in the chat notes, Trey Burke and Dwight Powell and two second rounders to Houston for Eric Gordon. What do you think? It's funny. I had lunch with a friend of the program, Jonathan Sharks. um, And if you listen to Ringer's group chat, he actually made the case for Eric Gordon. That was his pitch. And, you know, Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball and the gunshot has been kind of sitting on this one for some time as well. I don't know. I will say that the more I think about these sorts of things, the more I'm interested. And I don't know if it's just because I'm bored or if it's because I think they'll fit. I mean, Eric Gordon, I've watched that guy since high school. His jumper is beautiful. He, you know, he played at uh, at, at Indiana and he was more of a point, like they played him at point guard, but he's a scoring guard. And I just, I love the opportunity of anybody playing with Luca that is a score because look at what he's done for, for Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway is a, was a pretty good player. And because he limited and then elevated his game with Luca, where he committed to the things that he was good at, Gordon's a better off the dribble score. I mean, the guy has just bizarre injury issues, but you know, at a certain point, what's the risk? The Mavericks as, as, you know, Scott Mavs uh, CBA points out to us, like the Mavericks are over the cap next year anyways. So at this point, they just have to move around within the margins that are available to them. Um, and and I, it's just something that, that interests me. Xavier points out, uh, 
quite, quite correctly that teams do not have to get to the salary floor. Um, what happens if teams don't get to the salary floor is the players on the roster then get, I want to say it's like an awarded the difference between whatever the salary is for the team uh, to the salary floor split between them. Um, the Sixers had this happen like way back when, and then they brought somebody in last minute so that the team didn't actually have to pay that out. And like, it was like one of these awkward situations that exist. Um, yeah. So let's see here. Uh, I want to bring up some more people on stage to talk. Um, coming up next is our old friend, Jose. Hey, Jose, what's going on? Audio working there for you? Might need to do a, a, a green room update just because of, uh, you know, I've not been on here for a while, which means maybe you guys haven't haven't hopped in. Um, why don't you try to hop out? Oh. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I have myself on mute. <laughs> it's been a while That's since I've been happened. on the green room app. <laughs> I'm sorry, my man. And, and you know, they, they keep making little improvements. I've heard rumors that they may eventually um, um, plug this into the Spotify app specifically, which would, you know, I'm sure create a whole new list of bugs. But yeah, thanks for joining us. What do you got? Uh, not much. It's, it's been a while since we talked. So uh, Drogic is, is still coming to Dallas. I still have faith that he's coming to Dallas. He yeah, he could show off the gear. He could show off the balloons and shit. I mean, he's still got to cater to the team who currently has him under contract. <laughs> yeah, he's a pro too. He's he's not you know he's not a he, he's not a like a, like a bitter guy. Like he'll he'll do his his duty professionally. Um, I sort of have some confidence in this too. I mean, the news this hasn't made it to the American side of things because it's it's too specific. But news broke in Slovenia that. Like, you know, he's getting a divorce. He has two small children. Like, he's just had a lot of upheaval in his life in the last several months. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that that all parties involved will want to do, like, will want to make everyone involved happy. And I, I sort of think that he raises Toronto's floor too much. Like, they just have a bunch of talent, but a veteran like him is going to increase their wins, and I'm just not sure if that's what they want. But, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. Uh, and and plus, Masai has been wanting to do a full rebuild, anyways. So, yeah. so keeping a guy like Dragic just doesn't necessarily make sense. Now, I can see in the, in the the point or the aspect that he wants to keep him for to gain more, um, you know, draft picks or just younger talent. But right. I, I don't think right now at, at this point any teams want to give up on their young talent. Well, it's just so funny, too, because this is the first time in, like, what I feel like is recorded Maverick history, where because someone wants to come to the Mavericks, it just undercuts that other team's leverage. And usually we're on the other end of this, or we're watching as bystanders between, you know, Anthony Davis forcing himself to the Lakers. Like, this is obviously isn't at that level, but, I mean, the the – if if he has made it known that he wants to play with Dallas or he may take a buyout or yada, 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 who knows what the deal is like that, that sort of thing um, is really kind of a moving target. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, the Toronto should move on from him at some point, just because I, he's just good. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I do hope that he makes his way to Dallas. We've talked about this a lot. I'm slowly um, making the argument that the Mavericks should absolutely want, even if it involves them paying his salary. Because number one, I don't care about the salary. They're over the cap. It's not my money. It's not my money. I don't. Mark Cuban has tricked us all into caring about his money. We shouldn't. They're over the cap for next year. This stuff doesn't matter. 
But we, I, I think that that they should like it'd be worth it paying Drogic twenty million dollars so that he could have so that the Mavericks could have someone on staff to tell Luca to shut the fuck up every now and again is invaluable. He's just so good, and and he he needs someone that he's going to listen to. And I I think that the new coaching staff will have a window of time where they can ingra- ingratiate themselves to um, Drogic and be able, to, or um, I'm sorry, to Luca and be able to kind of make a difference in. You know, uh, in terms of how he plays, what he's thinking, but at a certain point in time, when you're a top five player on the planet, like, and you know, you don't need to listen to other people, and and I just think that's worth it for for getting him in, and so I think Drogic will, will really could really have an impact on Luca. That's just off the court. The on the court stuff. If you get forty games from him and he plays, you know, twenty minutes a night, he's going to make a difference. He's a, like, I, I, for people who haven't watched him, I mean, they were in the finals a year ago. This time, like they were in the NBA finals a year ago, and he was one of the best players in the playoff run right up until he got hurt. He is a unbelievably good player. He's just my age. So. <laughs> right. And and I, I really like Dragic just on this team. I, I feel like he fits in like a glove. Now, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, well, before I ask you this question, Ethan notes, uh, are we still waiting for October the 1st? And I, I still see that as a, as a possibility. I feel like we are still waiting for October the 1st. Well, I think we are generally, and not just for Drogic, because if they've signed Frank to a contract, that means they have 16 guys, so they have to do something with someone, which means somebody who they've had a press conference with is likely not going to be a Maverick at some point. I mean, the, the person in my head is, is the most likely is Moses Brown. Um, he's got a cheap contract. He's young and he doesn't really, I don't want to say he doesn't fit the timeline because he does like a flyer on a million on a guy who's making like $1.2 million and happens to be seven foot two. I just don't see where he fits into the rotation because they have nine other centers when they went ahead and got Willie Colley Stein. Um, it's just, they, they quite, I, 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 I'm not going to do the math right now, but I'm pretty sure they have six centers and it is not 2001. At least I'm fairly certain it's not 2001. And there's no reason that any roster should have six centers. And so it's like a guy like that, as Ethan is, is pointing out in the chat, like a young, tall, huge person on a cheap contract has some value. Like they're going to be able to do something with him. That's why he's moved around like three times. Like he just needs the right situation. Right. Um, yeah. So we'll see. And uh, my question for you was uh, about John Wall. <laughs> what what what's your taste? Uh, are are you willing to accept John Wall onto the Mavs? Like by buyout, by trade? What, what's your stance on that? I mean, I think the trade thing is too difficult. Uh, he makes just for comparison's sake, and I could I'm getting the specifics wrong, but. Porzingis makes about $30 million a year. Next year, John Wall is going to make $47 million. So he's going to make $17 million more than the guy we already want to eject into space every third game because of how he's playing. Um, if he's available from a buyout, yes. I watched him play in Washington, D.C. For a guy who tore his Achilles and his ACL and all the injuries he's had, he is still Sonic the Hedgehog with the basketball. He is so fast um and the Mavericks don't have fast guys as evidenced by you know Luca lollying up the floor etc um I think he he would you make that work like that's a talent 
level thing. Um, and I thought he played pretty well with, with Houston last year. It's just a matter of like, when you look at that contract, it's so easy to see that staring at you. But if somebody like that is on the market and someone like that is interested in playing with the Mavericks, you figure it out later. I don't think that's a real possibility though, because if you've noticed the Mavericks have precisely zero clutch clients and I don't know if they ever will, but um, that's, that's just kind of where my head is. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let's run a hypothetical. Say sure. Dragic, uh, Wall is on the uh, is on the roster. Viva buyout. Uh, Jalen Brunson. What's his trade value? Okay, because at that point you already have a, a bundle of guards on the team. Well, so remember, and this is where we're all going to have to kind of re-educate ourselves on this, because the Mavericks have not really consistently been over the cap in 10 years since the new CBA. Once the Mavericks are over the cap, they're limited, they're very limited in what they can do. So teams that get closer to the tax level, as Xavier will point out, do that by signing the guys they already have. Uh, I think if you, if you have Brunson, you, you keep him at whatever the cost is, and then you have him on your books. And then if it, you know, you then turn him around later, like Brunson is a positive asset. Um, I think you pay him 10 to $12 million a year and figure it out later. Um, he's really, you know, he drives me crazy specifically, but you know, I don't matter. Uh, he's good. He just is, he's specific in his role. So I think that they keep him and then they, they figure that sort of stuff out later because there's a fair number of people who think that, that Brunson could be like a starting guard. I'm not sure if I believe that in the NBA. I think he's best in like a 20 to 22 minute of a role game, but you know, that's, that's, that's kind of where I am with it at least. And uh, one final question. I'm I'm sorry for hogging up the mic. No, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so uh, I I had listened to Locked On NBA earlier, and there there was a segment from yesterday that was about uh, NBA players not getting vaccinated, but almost everybody else has to get vaccinated besides the players and the owner. Uh, what sense does that make? Since we did have the bubble because of COVID. We did have players like teams were crippled last year because of COVID. So what sense does it make for players to not get vaccinated this season? So I'm likely to offend some people with this and I don't fucking care. Um, this, that sort of thing with this is the, there, there's a, there's a phrase in politics. It's it's for thee, but not for me. Meaning you end you create policy that is meant to impact everyone, but then you create an exception for yourself. Unions all across America have been doing this shit, and the NBA union, Players Union, is just another example of this, where we don't want to make people get the vaccine. But what the NFL has done is probably the most interesting thing. They couldn't make their Players Union either, but what the, the NFL did was back their players into a corner and say, okay, you don't want to get this vaccine, you can't do anything. You're subject to constant testing. You're subject to a really difficult, uh, uh, not existence, because hell, you're a professional athlete, but you're, you're going to be have to go through all these rules and processes versus you get the vaccine, you can do whatever the heck you want. And so I wonder if the NFL or if the NBA is going to head that way with some of the rules. Like the rules last year were pretty stringent, um, where you kind of, you got to get to practice early, you got to get tested, yada, yada, yada. Their union fought for this on purpose because there's a lot of players who don't want to get this. I mean, 
I know like the general consensus in American public life is that it's white conservative people who don't want to get the vaccine. There's a lot of people who don't want to get the vaccine. Look at Nicki Minaj. I know people didn't come here for a vaccine lecture, but this, you know, you, you got me on one of my hobby horses because this stuff drives me crazy. Public health is an important thing and NBA players not wanting to get it when they're willing to go to Europe to inject themselves with the blood of virgins drives me fucking crazy. Take the vaccine, be healthy, go on with your life. Don't die. Right. Like, like Kyrie's tweet yesterday was like, uh, something about like my mask is off. Yours should, yours should be too. No fear. Some shit like that. Kyrie Irving is the college freshman introduced to weed for the first time who never grew up. He's so fucking annoying. <sighs> that's just my opinion. Okay, well, that's all I had. Thanks, Kirk, for bringing all me All you up. had. Jose, these are great questions. Anyway, sorry if I irritated anybody, but really not sorry. All right, talk to you later, buddy. Uh, coming up next, we have Tyler, who's been waiting forever. Hit that unmute button. Or try to communicate if, uh, if possible. Otherwise, might need to, to, to exit and rejoin the room, all right? Um, let's see here if we have any other questions down there. Um, Ooh, I don't really have anything. Jose got me going with that last bit. It's just something that, uh, is something that, that frustrates me. Um, I don't know. At the moment, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the season. I, 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 hopefully everyone will catch me over the next month being in my place of optimism where I think Porzingis is going to play 60 games and, you know, the Mavericks are going to be a top three seed, which is something uh, Lucas, you and I just discussed where we kind of see a path that feels a little crazy. The Mavericks are going to be a monster of a regular season team if they play offense the way they've been playing it. Uh, you're going to see some stuff in the next several weeks about in Jason Kidd's coaching history. Most of his teams have been ass on offense. Uh, so at some point, there's going to be a rock and a hard place meeting um, between, you know, what Luka Doncic is able to do for an offense and what Jason Kidd has been able to, you know, kind of wreck as a coach. So we're in for some uh, really kind of interesting basketball questions. Over the next several weeks, there's going to be a lot of content coming out from Mavs Moneyball, a lot of stuff uh, across the board. I really, really recommend that you guys go read Iztox's piece. I recommend we have a new writer on our staff, um, Derek Kirby, who wrote a piece on Reggie Bullock that was short and sweet and fun about you know why he's such an improvement over Josh Richardson. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Again, I'm going to be doing these regularly on Friday. We're going to be uh, hanging out uh, more on these, you know, post-game. Maybe I'll do some at night. kind of depends. Um, I think I can already feel, you know, it's like uh, it's still off-season. I can feel my wife getting annoyed that I'm revving back up again. But, hey, that's the way it goes. So this has been Kirk Henderson on Radio Free Mavs. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys coming back. And let's talk soon, okay? Have a good weekend.